Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's Mackie, and since the Judd's Hockey Show crew doesn't let me actually come on their show and spew my hockey takes, I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite companies, Federated Mutual Insurance Company which is all about helping your business reach new levels of success through risk management. Find out more about how Federated can help protect your business at federatedinsurance.com. Federated, where it's our business to protect yours. Hockey, yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, another late night edition of Judd's Hockey Show, which for a while tonight I thought might be um, um, it might be us discussing a fourth consecutive wild loss to open the season in what would have been a disastrous homestand. But against the Vancouver Canucks, the wild rally for an overtime victory. Kirill Kaprizov with his fourth goal of the season. And his um, third point of the game, he also had two assists. Matt Zuccarello, two goals and one assist. Zuccarello. And Declan, the uh, the um, homestand nightmare is over. The Wild gets a point. They, they will now go on the road uh, for, I believe it's a five-game road trip, starting on Saturday in Boston. Uh, Jordan Greenway, by the way, who returned tonight and then got hurt again, according to Dean Evason, suffered an upper body injury. That's not the shoulder problem that he had during the offseason. Will not play on Saturday. His return is unknown. But let's start with the good news. The Wild gets two points. They get their first win, mm-hmm. um, and the second and third period, Marc-Andre Fleury was pretty damn near brilliant. So there, there's a lot to get to. There's a lot of things not to like, but there are a few things to like, and I think starting with Flower and Goal, who'd been just awful in four periods, that's probably the highlight of the night, in my opinion, for this team. few things. You don't got to apologize for wins, and especially when it's your first win and when you have dropped the first three games of the season. Now, um, four-game homestand. Eight potential points. You only walk away with two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously less than ideal. Uh, there are still lapses in this team. There are still warts in this team that could be 100% fixed. But at the same time, your superstar player in Kirill Kaprizov rose up, delivered an overtime goal for you. One goal, two assists. Played like 24 minutes tonight. I mean, the guy was all over the ice um, in classic superstar fashion, so you can't be too upset about that. And yeah, you, look, you take any type of win, you can get one. Uh, get, uh, any type of win you can get anywhere right now and when you start 0-3 that's the case and they rallied and they were able to show that that's great um there's still certainly some flaws here with this team but at the same time yes I I I thought Marc-Andre Fleury the last two periods and then obviously into overtime too I know he wasn't really busy in the overtime portion but played spectacular tonight um I tweeted out some stats that I'm sure we'll get into here later and on that just the it, it's not all on Marc-Andre Fleury and I think that's what we're seeing here through four games yes could the goaltending be better and could the goaltending bail you out and can goaltending kind of cover up for bad things when it's spectacular? Of course it can. The problem with the wild side of that is they have a 38-year-old goaltender who is still, I think, capable and being able uh, a capable number one guy that can be able to ride for a long portion of the season. He's no longer the goalie that he used to be, so you can't put him in positions to be unsuccessful. And the wild defense still has to clean that up, and I think that's what's so mind-boggling so far. But, hell, it, it's, it's a win. You'll take it anywhere you can get it. Congrats to the Wild. They actually picked up their first win. They're not 0-4. They're 1-3. 
Yeah, and Flurry had um, eight shots on goal against in the first period. The two goals that he gave up were defensive breakdowns, make no mistake. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, did he make the huge save in that period? No, he didn't. Um, he then saved 17 of 18 shots in the second and third period combined and made some great saves. I thought in the third period he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, there, there were several chances that the Canucks had, um, and the goal that he did give up, he actually made a great save on Kaprizov, lost his man. Kalen Addison, I think, was originally at yes. fault. But nonetheless, um, that was a very, that was actually a nice save. And then the puck got uh, tapped in by the same guy when he went backhand, forehand. But that being said, Flurry's play, I, I mean, that's the most important thing here is, is because you're right, the Wild definitely has some defensive problems and deficiencies right now. But Flurry, you know, the first period on Saturday night against the Kings was scary because the last goal was awful and he was not playing well. It's funny, um, to, just to set the scene from from the wild room where I just came from, you know, on Saturday, Flurry came out and answered the questions and dropped an F-bomb for how how bad he was playing in his mind. And he apologized. He didn't have to. But, right. you know, he, he was, he was make no mistake, because he's a nice guy. He was pissed off. And he should have been pissed off. Uh, tonight, he got done talking to us and... He still had his pads on, and he leaned back in, in his locker stall and dropped an F-bomb, this time of relief. Like, uh-huh. and, and he just like was like, because the, the pressure comes off you. Yeah. Um, now, where I think there's still some concern, and Dean talked about this postgame tonight, and he's right. You know, the first two periods, defensively again, and into the third, this team did not play well. The responsibility that this team has shown previously with Dean I don't know why it's dried up a lot, but it's just not there. I thought Dumba tonight was awful. Brodine continues for him to scuffle. Um, there were a lot of, you know, there, there was a lot of play on the blue line tonight. And as far as the forwards coming back, that was far more like the Rangers game. Because I actually thought on Monday they played well. Uh, you know, but they got those first two games, Kings and Rangers, they were, I think to put it mildly, leaky. They were leaky again tonight, um, and what Dean said was his his point was a lot of guys are are and were pressing, and he's right about that. And his and he also said a lot of guys that and this is very for him revealing a lot of guys that you're not used to pressing are pressing, and I think Brodine is one, as uh, Jackson says on our screen that you just put up that comment. And yes, Dumba, Dumba's a different story. He was awful too. But you know, Brodine is ordinarily Mr. Solid. Yep. And he's he looks like he's been pressing and not playing like he, he can play. And so my last question to Dean tonight in his postgame presser was, in your experience, does the win end this problem? Like, like are you, is, is there a ton to clean up here? Was this uh, a mental thing? And he said, in my experience, I think it's pretty much done now. Like, just mm-hmm. as far as the breakdowns, I also did not like the fact that I thought tonight the Wild came out pretty good. They scored the first goal decks. But I, in my opinion, for a, a large portion of that game, there were a lot of passengers, too. Like, oh, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't look like a team that was on the precipice of a fourth consecutive loss. It looked like a team, again, that, like, made a playoff run and was tired. And I still can't get my head around where that's coming from. Yeah, I don't know if that's um, a preparedness issue, which I'm not. I'm not questioning if Dean Addison and the staff didn't have this team prepared. Um, it's just kind of confusing because the bread and butter of this team for ten years has been its defensive play and its uh, resiliency on the 
on the on their blue liners that have made life easier on their goaltenders. And so far, look, the goaltending hasn't lived up to par, but also the defense has just been atrocious. And from yes. a group that shouldn't be regressing yet, if if Brodine and Dumba and Spurgeon were all on their other side of thirty, and this mm-hmm. was happening, I think we could say, okay, Father Time's catching up here. Like it just that's just kind of how the NHL works. But these guys are all still, you know, quote unquote young, and defensemen of these calibers should be able to play into their thirties. And into their late twenties, which yeah. a lot of these guys still are, and I think that's what was so staggering throughout these first four, and it still is staggering. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is pressing, right? Maybe Dean Evason, who's an NHL coach and a grinder who has also played his fair share of NHL games, that says, "Hey, no, that this now the pressure's off. It makes life easier." And well, I guess we'll be able to see that maybe in Boston on Saturday in an afternoon tilt on the road. Yep. But I also think that's a hefty assumption to make that just oh, okay, it's over with, it's done, because yes, the the track record of these defensemen says, you know, they should be buckled down. They should be good players. They should make decisions that will make their life easier on their own goaltender. But just in, you know, hashtag sample size alert, there's been nothing even even tonight in the win that suggests that, oh, now all of a sudden it makes life easier because you got the win. I think that's certainly part of it. Don't get me wrong. Right. I No, I know what you're saying. But, it, it, but that's it, why I don't I think it question. automatically fixes it. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And that I, I asked the question because I was curious what, what the response was. And look, I, I mean, Dean's response was probably largely wishful thinking, right? Because, I mean, it's been, a, it's been bad. Um, one quote I wrote down from Dean Post game, though, and, I mean, this, again, this speaks volumes to a guy who tries his best to keep things as positive as possible with, with, the, uh, with the press. He said, we have no composure defensively. And he's right. Yeah. And, that's what's, yeah. and that's what's scary. And that's why I'm sort of with you. I don't know that the win fixes that. Um, but, I mean, it is weird that in some ways this team seemed to lose its discipline. And, and yep. you know, and I can't explain that. Now, the Dumbo one to me, Dex, is very intriguing because of this. I guess among the guys who, do, who when they don't play well, I'm not shocked. Like, because he hasn't been the same since the fight with Kachuk, what, three years ago now? And, and you know, there's been times previously where he has definitely had breakdowns. And tonight I thought he was absolutely, for the most part, atrocious. Um, this is an interesting discussion point because, you know, this is the guy, like, like when it came to you're going to have to pick one, Fiala or Dumba, they picked the defenseman. And they like him, and I think they like him as a person more. But the point is, like, this could become a major second guess because Dumba is definitely not playing up to his contract right now. And I think the fact that Brodina is scuffling too makes it worse because ordinarily I think what we're used to is Brodine sort of covering up for Dumba's fault. So like there are, there's a lot of things in play here. Um, and I am curious if they, if they go on the road now for these next five games and if we see more of a consistent effort because we definitely, we saw – we saw the furious rallies in the third period tonight, mm-hmm. but there's no way that, that you can sit there if you are Everson or the team and say that, that the first two periods made you happy. And Ryan Hartman alluded to the fact that between the second and third, something was said along the lines of this. We have been talking now for three games about how we're doing all the right things and we need to and, – and, and I guess basically what was said is it's time to shut up and just go play. And I yep. felt like they did that, but that's 20-plus – Minutes of hockey. We need to see that way more prolonged 
60 and then into the next game, into the next game. Well, and and from Ryan Hartman's vantage point there of doing all the right things, you have three games here, so you have nine periods worth of hockey. It's not just uh, a bad game. This is now three games worth of, of his own sample size. Back to your point of, of the defense not doing its job and just being uh, just struggling in general. I tweeted out some of these stats um, from my guy Jay Fresh Hockey, who does a great job of hockey analytics. And if you want more of a breakdown of that, cheap, shameless plug, go subscribe to his Patreon account. Because so far this season, um, he's partnered with his guy at Top Down Hockey, and they've, they have logged, again, small sample size, because we're only about a week into the NHL season. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they do these things called team cards, where they kind of take all the information and they put it in a visualization chart that makes things easier to see. So um, he has percentage of five-on-five shot attempts against on net. So how many times are, are these shots going against on net? Um, so, so far this season, and this was going into this game, so this, these stats will change, obviously, after um, this evening's slate of games, but the percentage of five-on-five shot attempts against on net this season, the Wild are allowing 66.1% of those shot attempts to go on net. That's the worst figure in the league. So the opposing team, 66% of their shots are going on net. For context, the Islanders, or excuse me, the Stars, are number one this season. Only 44% of those shots are going on net. That's a humongous difference. 20% of the shots that the Stars are stopping aren't going on net. Um, percentage of also then, let's also look at shots blocked, right? Like the selling out, right? The only sport where the term selling out actually means a good thing, and that's in hockey, right? So in terms of shot attempts that have been blocked, the Wild are only blocking 19.5% of shots which is weird to me because this is a team that has historically always done a really good job at at clogging lanes and blocking those shots. And that's 30th in the NHL right now. Um, For, again, more context, the Islanders are blocking 32% of shots. That's a humongous difference. And, again, the sample size will get a little bit cleaner and better as as we watch more and more games and and, and you have more sample size to work with. But that's a staggering amount. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury and Philippe Gustafson – aren't going to bail you out all the time. And when your defense is giving out that many amount of shots, that's a problem and a significant one at that. So that that's, I think, what is so staggering to me. It's not just, yes, goaltending has been horrendous, goal saved above expected. I gave you those stats earlier this week, too. Th- those have been bad. But I think what's so shocking to me is that the amount of shots that are not being blocked and the amount of shots that are going on net is way too high for a team that still has defenders that should be doing a lot better job at limiting those attempts. And tonight's game, no question, was filled with with, with flaws and those flaws. And Flurry saved, you know, for the first time this season, his team's bacon. I get that, but um, yeah. And so, so one thing I think that we will see immediately on Saturday, and I'm not going to suggest that this is a complete fix, but I think it. I think Goligoski comes out, and if John Merrill is set to return, he plays. Um, Kalen Addison to me, mm-hmm. while he has flaws, okay, offensively he brings you especially, and, and he he had an assist tonight on the game tying power play goal by Zuccarello. He brings you what you need. So like I like I like what he does. In fact, he sort of does what I what I wanted Dumba to do. So, um, but John Merrill to me, he is certainly no all star, but he's going to provide Declan a more steadying presence. Goligoski doesn't bring much here. He just doesn't. I, I mean, I'm glad he got to the milestone. He's a local guy, a former golfer. God bless him. Um, but I think if we're calling a spade a spade, 
I would ask you this. What does he bring? Now, the Dumba thing to me also is concerning because that has to change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Brodine, Brodine and I, I guess I would call it a funk. Like I, I don't remember the seeing funk. this from him before. I agree. Um, but I mean I think he comes out of that funk. Um, but do you do you juggle things? Do do you try and put do you try and put Spurgeon with Brodine, Dumbo with somebody else? I don't know. But I mean you definitely have to you definitely have to get your defensive structure right, because it's not right now. And secondly, you gotta get your blue line pairings right. Um and for whatever reason th- so far, it doesn't seem like Dumba and Brodine come anywhere near the chemistry that we've been so used to for years seeing them have. Yeah, you know, Travis on our YouTube channel uh, suggests this, that now that Merrill is in, Goose is probably done with his yeah, 1,000th game. And press box. I don't, I don't know if Goose will be scratched in Boston. I, I don't know, but I, I do think that you're going to see I'm if, if anyone's an odd man out, it's Goligoski. You, you can't scratch Addison. You're obviously not going to no. scratch any of the other five defensemen. Like I, I think it'd be, it would take an awful lot. The only other way then he plays is if there's an injury to one of those five guys in Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodine, and, and Edison, right? Like yeah. then, then it's a lot different. Um, I, I just think too what what's becomes what's going to become so interesting as we get through this season and we get to an off season time. And you know, I know Gary Bettman hinted at this um, in some meetings this week that now they're because of the escrow being paid out salary cap could actually go up um, by 4 million, but that is actually a significant chunk for the NHL. If it's paid um, off, yes. if it's paid off by the end of the season, yep. Dumba's in a contract year. And when you still have the buyouts that are lingering against you, do you, you're going to have to make a difficult decision of, do we extend Matt Dumba probably around a similar mark? It might not be up to five. Or do you ride Kalen Addison, who will cost a fifth you, of what Matt Dumba is going to yes, make? You From that. a cap side, I go with the latter. It's I, not it, hard. Th- th- that's exactly. That's but, not even a math game there. But the decision, but, but what's going to come back to become a very fair talking point then is should, should you have tried to move Dumba and, and kept Fiala or at least made an attempt to? Well, yeah. Because that's going to be the talking yes, point. Because I, you I, are going to. I mean, that's the thing. Okay, you are going to miss his scoring. Yep. And when he goes through his hot streaks, like you just can't. You can't snap your fingers and be like, you know, Kirill, we need more. Um, you know, you're, you're going. You're going to get production from guys who have previously probably given you production. But when Kevin Fiala got in those zones, like those guys are hard to, to find. So it, it'll be a very fair discussion point. Um, if Dumba continues to play a very flawed game, to be like, I wonder if the right move was made. And that was a first guess among a lot of folks. Like, th- this has been a talking point um, up until now. I just get that frustration from some fans. Two, two things. Number one, I, I uh, if anyone on Judd's Hockey Show, actually, I might be the one who has always been in the Kevin Fiala camp and defended him more than you have. I'm not going to play too much of revisionist history. Mm-hmm. If, when, if if it goes down the road that they move on from Matt Dumba at the deadline or they moved on from Matt Dumba in free agency, like, well, he could have had Kevin Fiala. Like, luckily, this wild offense has looked good enough. I'm not trying to say that Kevin Fiala still would be successful because I think he would be here. But I, I'm, I won't lose too much sleep over that. It's, um, it's more of do you have a better and more capable defender in Kalen Addison that costs a fifth of that? Um, I, I, and I understand where you're coming from, from the decision to keep Matt Dumbo over Kevin Fiala. Yeah. Totally get it. That's, and that's a valid case to make. I wouldn't have too much revisionist history on it, um, and not to completely change topics, but you know, Matt Boldy looks great right through the first four games. 
Um, what did you, I, I barely noticed this guy again here tonight, Judd. What did you notice from Marco Rossi though? Um, I was actually going to bring that up. So through two, uh, so he, he was on technically the third line. He centered Goudreau and Boldy tonight. Okay. Uh, through two periods of play. Um, oh, and, and when Greenway got hurt, they rotated like Kaprizov and Boldy and, uh, wingers in, into the fourth line. So their time on ice spiked up. But just for comparison's sake, through two periods of play, Marco Rossi had played 9.29. Matthew Boldy was at 11.28, and Goudreau was at 10.41, okay? In the, thir- in the final box score, so after, after R- Rossi had played 9.29 through two periods, he ended up with 11 minutes total, and late in the game, they actually sent out a line and had uh, Goudreau centering Boldy yeah. and Duhame, and they took Rossi off. And I continue to not, to not like this. I understand there's concern. I understand that the team has not been playing well. I understand you don't want to lose. Uh, but I just continue to wonder, when are you going to get this kid? Like, do you not trust him that much? And if that's the case, sh- should he be here? Um, it's frustrating to me to see this because – I don't know that this is the best way to go about developing him. Now, I, I see that quote that, that says, as the crew goes by, by here trying okay. to put no, stuff away. Dino, it's Matt trying Dumba to put stuff you away. For, no, for it's just the fine, it's the fine crew here in the kitchen. Um, Skyhawk494 uh, saying, Rossi needs to put on some serious muscle, too small and weak. Well, first of all, I would disagree with that. I thought in the preseason he showed that he wasn't as weak. I mean, he's small, so he looks like he's weak, but, I mean, he's I not as weak you. as we thought. But yep. the other thing is I think you – like to bench him for third periods, if that's how you feel about him, then I don't know that he should be here. Yeah, just, just I think he should down. be, but yeah. Just send him down. I, I I I have no. But this is getting frustrating. Yeah, yes. Because that, that's, that's what's my your point. intention it's, here? You, you're, you're, we're, you and I and other Wild fans are now starting to pull out your hair over your top prospect who made the roster and had a hell of a camp and even got some time with the top line in preseason to prove if he can play here or not. Yes, um, at this point, if you're only going to play him eight to nine minutes, and look, the Greenway injury forced you know some shuffling around because you were down a forward for forty minutes. Yeah. So I'll give somewhat of the benefit of the doubt to Dino that then someone's playing time kind of gets sacrificed for that. I understand the math there again. But it doesn't matter. But if this is the case, but if this is the case, then just send him down. Just send him but, down. Yeah. And I have, and I'm and I won't lose sleep over that either. Just send him down to Iowa and let him play top line minutes. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. In, in fact, so so with one forty three left, score tied at three, third period. Okay, face off in the Canuck zone, um, and they put Boldy on. And they put Goudreau on, and that's when they put Duhame on, and they don't. And they basically said to Rossi, "We don't trust you." That to me, like I get it. It's an important game. It's an important draw. I get all that. Okay, and Duhame has more experience. I also get that. But my question to Dean would be this: When are you going to get the kid? This experience, and by the way, this was not a defensive zone draw, so it's not like if you lose it, oh my God, the puck's in the back of the net. This was an offensive zone draw, and Rossi's supposed to be an offensive player. So, yeah, I, I think that there, I think you need to make a decision here. And if you're going to like pull the plug on him every time the going gets tough, which it sort of feels like that's what they're doing so far, mm-hmm. I don't think you're doing him favors by having him watch it from the bench, unless they know, unless they've got an idea that we can't see. Um, I don't like it. 
what J- Jacob here on our YouTube channel says, by the way, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show. Um, he says, what about Beckman, as an Adam Beckman, who is a, another good stud and a good depth guy that they got down there in Iowa who has, has shown that he can play top-line minutes and play? Again, though, I, I think, you know, and this is not to berate Jacob's point, but if, if they called up Adam Beckman, he, I don't think he's the only way he would play significant minutes again is if there was injuries or if there was ineffectiveness that they, he would have to play significant minutes. If they, if they made this simple swap, Adam Beckman for Marco Rossi, um, I don't think anything changes. I think Beckman plays 11 minutes a night. Um, he's also a winger. He's not a center like Marco Rossi. So that kind of changes up things too. Um, but at this, at this rate, if this is going to be the case and look, I, I had high, I had high expectations for even a guy like Tyson Jost, who is now pinned on every single line through four games. And honestly, could be I wouldn't be shocked if he was even scratched at this point, too, because he's been that much of a non-factor. I don't think calling up Beckman changed anything. For Rossi's sake, and just for his development's sake, it makes sense to, for him to go down to Iowa and probably play with Adam Beckman and probably play top-line top minutes. Line, right, exactly. Because he's because he's not going to do anything here, and, and nor if, if this is the kind of weird doghouse he's in, I don't think it does him any good. It's not a doghouse. I think they're just concerned about what is going to happen to, to him, and, and they clearly don't trust him. So, like, I don't think he's in trouble. I think they just don't trust him. But the, but he's your future. So, like, that that's the thing. If you play Duhame and Beckman, you know what? That's cool, man. They're prospects. They're young players. But they're not your future. I'm talking about your future. I'm talking about your top-line center, hopefully, in a year. You know, I, I, I mean— he played better tonight, but let's be honest here. Ryan Hartman ain't your future number one center, and the sooner that you can take him out of that role, in my opinion, the better. He was Case Keenum 2017 for the for this team last year. That was Hartman last year. The slippers had to be returned now. He's He is... He's not a bad player, but in no way, shape, or form, if you're going to make a playoff run, do you want to go in with a depth chart that has him as your top-line center? I mean, we saw that in the playoffs last year, right? So that, so my Rossi thing is it's not just the now, it's the future. And if you're going to be like – and the problem, too, is when, you're, when you tell him, hey, Marco, don't go out for this shift, you're not going to go out for that shift – um, I don't think that's a good way to develop a player. Like, like some of this is just mental, right? Like, what's mentally fair to the player? And and I think Marco Rossi, no matter where he is, needs to be playing significant playing time, and he needs to be in situations in which he feels that there's trust there. And right now, I think there's you know, um, words don't mean a lot; actions do. And right now, Dean Everson is telling everyone and their brother, "I don't trust him. I don't think I can play him." And I've seen this movie before. drives me absolutely crazy because I think it can do damage to a player. Um, I don't like it. And so, yeah, just find him a place to play. There are places he can go. And and you know what? If he goes down to Iowa and lights it up and plays great, bring him back up here and play him. Yeah. That's um, exactly so. what I would do, too. I, I Just send him down to Iowa. Let yeah. him even – I know they're going to travel tomorrow and – there's there's just no point for him to honestly to go on the road trip unless he's playing significant minutes. Hey, on Kaprizov, I got a question for you. So he had so he and Zuccarello uh, b- both had nice games. Uh, both had seven shots on goal. Yep. Um, and I tweeted this out before the third period, and I still believe it to be true. I tweeted out: It is very clear that Kirill Kaprizov is trying to do way too much by himself. Like he was carrying the puck around by himself. And look, he's fun to watch. It's great to watch, but. He yep. was trying to be a one-man show because the team was panicking. Um, but I also tweeted, if the Wild's going to, at that time, rally to win this game, 
he's going to have to be a key role, key role player or a key player in that, which he was. Um, how did you feel about his game? Because, like, I was torn at times about, you know, Carell, you do not – you should not be trying to do this all yourself. But yet I sympathize because he's so talented that I get that he is single-handedly in his mind trying to lift his team. What did you think of that? Uh, I, I have no issue right now um, with a star player of his caliber trying to do too much. They're, they're trying to win their first game of the season. He has the talent to do so. If this was someone else trying to play the role of Batman when he's clearly a Robin, then I have a bigger issue in that retrospect. I, I don't have too much of an issue with Krill. And even that first shift into overtime, which was like, what what the hell? Like, I know it's three on three, but like the first minute of that where they, they won the faceoff technically against two guys um, in Vancouver who could win a draw. And then they just circled their own zone for 60 seconds. And it, it kind of felt like if they give them one shot, which they did, by the way. I mean, Pedersen almost, I think, won the game on his first shot. He just missed overtime. the net. Just missed yes. the damn net. Just I, was, it. I, I would have been a mo- lot more furious. But no, I, I don't have too much of an issue with Kirill trying to play the hero and maybe even doing too much and overcompensating sometimes. Right. He's, he's your superstar. Um, I want the puck on my superstar stick. I want him to control the game. Um, and he has the capabilities to be a game-changing player. We're we're kind of um, not jaded. I've, that's not the right word, but we don't really know what this is like. We're getting now of the third season of Kirill, but we haven't really experienced what it's like to have the true superstar. Zach Parise was a great worker and, and a, a great guy to root for. Gabrick at his peak was close, but still not at this level. Even Fiala, when he was hot, um, didn't have the ability to carry you. He just would go on stretches where he was a, the quote-unquote game-breaker and score big goals. Kirill Kaprizov can do this, and there's going to be lapses sometimes where, yeah, he'll make a turnover here and there. But no, I, I personally, I'm cool with a superstar player being as damn good as he is. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm, I'm not criticizing him. I, I'm just saying in my mind, there's, there's a medium between what he was trying to do and what he ended up doing. And that's the difficult thing. Cause I totally get it. Like he is a talented player, an incredible player. He's a superstar. I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ESPN's rankings had him as the seventh best player in the league yeah. currently, which is incredible. So I get all of that. I'm just saying in the second period, it felt like he was trying to like take the game by the throat. And and it's like, dude, you got to, you got to use your teammates a bit. Um, and I appreciated what he did and it was impressive. But um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me tonight is, the, is this though. Marc-Andre Fleury's play was huge. Uh, yeah. The last two periods, he was huge. He didn't face a shot in the three-on-three OT. Uh, Kaprizov scores the goal when it, the uh, when they actually had a delayed penalty. By the way, funny story. Dino basically said he froze and was afraid to send oh. out the extra attacker. Yeah, I he bet. said F- Felino was standing there like, "Do you want me to go?" And according to Dean, he said, "I couldn't even talk because he yeah. was like, oh, I was, no. After I was last literally time, waiting for them to screw it up." No. He, Dean said, and and I guess so. If you go back and watch, it might basically. I, I think the wild because Flower came off and they did get a, a guy on. But Dean's point was after the complete screw up in the last game, in a similar situation with four on four, and this one being three on three. Dean said like he froze. He couldn't do it. He's like I couldn't even yeah. talk to him. So, but anyway. Yeah, it's I, 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 uh, I, I thought the same thing. And shout out to Todd, who's getting dumber by the minute listening to this. Thank you for listening, Todd. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports uh, Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show on Stoop, Store North. Stupid. Um, 
stupidity. I was waiting for the stupidity of of some type of situation with Dean to sending out an extra attacker. So I, I'm I'm glad that uh, that that did not happen. But yeah, hey, you you take the win any way you get it. They're oh, they're sure. one and three, and some little afternoon puck on Saturday, Judd Zolgat. I Newman. love an afternoon matinee hockey. Boston is a a uh, I believe of all the teams in the league, I want to say that they have the most matinee Saturday games. It's absolutely Sounds fantastic. Right. I right. love it, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I want more here. Saturday, because you know why I'm old. Saturday do, afternoon um, matinees are great when you're older. I was looking at the schedule. They do, I believe, because they the NHL's uh, classic for this. I believe the Wild are home against Toronto at 1 o'clock on Black Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Be, uh, yep, Black I love that Friday, one. They're That's here, their game. And I believe it's a 1 p.m. game at the X. So I, believe the X, I believe the X has locked into almost always now hosting a Black Friday game. Yes. Um, they've had the occasional uh, – it seemed like they, they had a fairly lengthy stretch like the North Stars did back in the day of New Year's Eve home games. Mm-hmm. But I want to say the last couple of years, and I know – that this year, that's not the case, that they do play on December 31st, but it's not here at the X. Anyway, wild wins, streak is done, five-game trip. Take us home, Dick. Yeah, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Yes, the Wild are finally victorious. They've won their first game of the season. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment right here on Score North. Uh, This is Judd's Hockey Show. We break down Minnesota Wild content and Minnesota Wild games. Of course, we're the home of Flagrant Howells, too, with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tige Mm -hmm. and Mackey Judd. Write that down. Wrap with Royce. Plenty of things on the Score North YouTube channel. And also head over to Purple Daily for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. And finally, after a win, we get to uh, we finally get to play this. Listen, you guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard work and having fun. That. This is about winning. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me October 4th for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.